Hello, hello, it's the Sunday Scaries of Expresso Crime, and today's episode is all about cold cases throughout the world, and then we will finish the episode with current crimes. Right now, in the U.S. alone, there are currently more than 200,000 cold case murders, and that number rises around 6,000 each year. That is just a staggering fact to me. Starting the list off with a throwback crime, number one, Ambrose Joseph Small. He was born on January 11th, 1866. He was a Canadian, and he owned several Ontario-based theaters. His last sighting was on December 2nd, 1919. However, he was known to travel without letting anyone know, so his disappearance was not reported until early 1920, so about a month missing before being reported. Once reported, the police launched a very extensive investigation, and he was officially declared dead in 1923. The case remained unsolved until it was closed in 1960. He would have been 94 at the time it closed out, but it does remain unsolved. Second on the list is the Hall Mills murder case. That is with Edward Wheeler Hall, a priest, and Eleanor Mills, a member of his choir, with whom he was having an affair with, both of whom were murdered on September 14, 1922 in Somerset, New Jersey. Two days later, they were found in a field. The priest was shot once and the woman was shot three times. A police officer at the scene noticed that the woman's throat had been severed and maggots were already in the wound, indicating that the death occurred at least 24 hours earlier. So the man had a hat covering his face and his business slash calling card was placed at his feet. Torn up love letters were placed between the two bodies. So the priest's wife and her brothers were accused of committing the murders, but they were acquitted in a 1926 trial, and it does remain unsolved to this day. So that one is just like right out of the scene of a movie, just the affair, the torn up love letters in between, um, but it does remain unsolved. Third on the list is on May 4th, 1932, a 31-year-old sex worker, Lily Lindenstrom, was found murdered in her small apartment in the Atlas area of Stockholm. It is believed she had already been killed for two to three days before police went into her apartment and she had suffered blunt force trauma to her head. The detectives also noticed that a gravy ladle was found at the crime scene and on further inspection of the body, they realized her body had been drained of all of her blood. Various clients did fall under suspicion, but after a lengthy investigation, investigation none were charged with her murder and the murder remains unsolved them realizing that her body had been drained of all of her blood is just so sinister and just disturbing number four on the list is the beaumont children they were three australian siblings who disappeared near adelaide in south australia on january 26 1966 which is australian day in a suspected abduction and murder Police investigations revealed that on the day of their disappearance, several witnesses had seen the three children in the company of a tall man with fairish to light brown hair and a thin face with a suntan complexion, and he was medium build, aged in his mid-30s. Despite numerous searches, neither the children or the suspected companion were located. In recent years, police and media speculation has linked the disappearances to the Adelaide Oval abductions of 1973. 
As of 2018, a $1 million reward has been offered for information related to the cold case by the South Australian government. As I mentioned, that Adelaide Oval abduction. So that is the case of Joanne Ratcliffe and Kirsty Jane Gordon. They were two Australian girls who went missing while attending an Australian rules football match at the Adelaide Oval on August 25th, 1973. Their disappearance and presumed abduction and murder remains unsolved in a cold case. So two cases that could be linked, both with children, unsolved and just very, very sad. Fifth on the list, Sir Harry Oakes. He was born in Maine in 1874, and he would become one of America's richest at the time. In the 1930s, he moved to the Bahamas, and after donating £50,000 to St. George's Hospital in London, he was knighted by King George VI in 1939, and that is when he became a Sir on July 7, 1943, 69-year-old Sir Harry Oakes was found dead in his bed in the Bahamas. That is a tongue twister. He was found dead in his bed in the Bahamas. He was bludgeoned and set on fire. The brutal murder made headlines around the world during World War II, and there was only one major suspect in this murder case, and that was his son-in-law. His son-in-law was a 33-year-old who had eloped with Oakes's 18-year-old daughter, Nancy, in Mexico. Nancy was his third wife. For me, the age gap and him having three marriages is a bit of a red flag. Obviously, an age gap and being married more than once does not make you a killer. Um, Just a red flag. Anyways, the murder went to trial and it did last 22 days. The jury took two hours to acquit the son-in-law. No one else has been charged and his murder remains a cold case. Number six on the list is Bernard Michael Oliver. He was a young British warehouse worker from North London. He disappeared on January 6, 1967, and his remains were found 10 days later in a village nearby. His body had been cut into eight pieces and left in two suitcases. The case received widespread media attention, partly because police, who were unable to identify the body, took the unusual step of releasing a photograph of the victim's head to the media. Despite all that, it did remain unsolved. Um, The investigation was reopened in 1977 and again unsolved. In 2012, a man reported seeing two unattended suitcases and a man wearing medical gloves in the docks area days before Oliver's body was discovered. Very interesting to report that, but so, so long ago. Uh, The investigation was once again reopened in 2017 when police appealed for any information concerning the murder. However, it does remain unsolved in a cold case at this time. This one is just so sinister, having his body being cut into eight pieces and left in two suitcases. And then that 2012, having that reported on is just really interesting. Is it you know, in connection? Is it made up? What is happening there? Why such a long wait? There's just so much to unpack here. Number seven on the list is Rita Ellis. She was a 19-year-old woman's Royal Air Force service woman, and she was serving in England. That's when she was murdered on November 11th, 1967. Her murder remained unsolved after 50 years despite periodic cold case inquiries and the availability of the DNA sample, which had been tested against 200 men. 
So this one is unsolved. They do have that DNA sample, but at this time, there's nothing to link it to. Number eight on the list, the Crawford family murder. This was the killing of a pregnant mother, Therese Crawford, and her three children in their home in Victoria, Australia in July 1970. The family car was located at the bottom of a cliff on July 2nd with the bodies of the four victims still inside. The husband and father, Elmer Crawford, is the prime suspect in the murders and has not been seen since. Two weeks before the murders, Elmer Crawford and his pregnant wife drafted new wills that left a considerable fortune to Elmer in the event of his family's death. So this is a cold case, a missing person, and of course that element of wills similar to insurance, a lot of red flags there. So this is just really sad that it's the entire family aside from the husband slash father. Um, but you know, he's a prime suspect and he's not been seen since. Maybe he's completely innocent, but just having that will drafted just a couple weeks before and in the event of a family death is a very large coincidence. Number nine on the list is John Bonet, Patricia Ramsey. She was an American child beauty queen who was killed at the age of six in her family's home in Boulder, Colorado on December 26, 1996. A long handwritten ransom note was found in the home. Her father, John, found the girl's body in the basement of their house about seven hours after she had been reported missing. Her death was ruled a homicide. In 1999, the police and the DA both said that John Bonet's brother, Burke, who was nine years old at the time of death, was not a suspect. In 2002, the, DNA, the DA's successor took over investigation of the case from the police and primarily pursued the theory that an intruder had committed the killing. The next year, trace DNA that was taken from the victim's clothes were found to belong to an unknown male. Each of the family's DNA had been excluded from this match. That's a really big piece of like new information. The DA sent the Ramseys a letter of apology in 2008, declaring that the family was completely cleared by the DNA result. The next year, the Boulder police took the case back from the DA and reopened the investigation. In October 2013, unsealed court documents revealed that a 1999 grand jury had recommended filing charges against the Ramseys for permitting the child to be in a threatening situation. The parents were also accused of hindering the prosecution of an unidentified person who had committed the crime of murder in the first degree and child abuse resulting in death. However, the DA determined that there was insufficient evidence to pursue a successful indictment. The case is still considered a cold case and it remains an open investigation with the Boulder Police Department. That one is, I think, super well-known, popular. There's more to deep dive. It's just really interesting and really, really sad. 10 on the list, Christina Vera. She was last seen on March 10th, 1997, and at the time of her disappearance, she was 16 years old. At around 10 p.m. on the night of her disappearance, her parents began to really worry as she hadn't come home yet, and she also hadn't been in contact with them, which was said to be very unusual for her. They started contacting her friends to see where she was, what's going on. Those friends told the parents that Christina went to break up with her boyfriend, Javier Roman. Following this, the dad went to the police to file a missing persons report. 
that missing persons report was not accepted until sometime later due to local law. On the night of her disappearance, Christina's brother went two times to Javier's door to ask for her sister, but he said on both times that he didn't know where she was, that he had left her at the door of the building where they lived. After he came back from the police station, his wife's son and himself started looking for her through the town. They yelled her name many times and they ran up and down the same streets just in hope to find her. The following days, they printed posters with her picture and disappearance notice on it. Her face was around the whole of Spain. Her disappearance was all over national news and many TV programs. Everyone made an effort to find her except one person, Javier. This said boyfriend was 10 years older than Christina and the mother said that Christina and him were often off and on. I know I just mentioned that age gap before in a previous case, but again, here it's just such a red flag for a 16-year-old to be dating a 26-year-old. As the investigation started, Javier immediately became a suspect. He was the last one to see her. He claimed that she had escaped voluntarily and would come back when she was 18, or at least that's what she had told him. Investigators did not believe his allegations. The family had money in their home as Christina's brother was going to buy an apartment. They said that if she wanted to escape, she would have taken some of the money as she knew it was there. She would have also taken more things, but when she disappeared, she only went with a very little amount of money, her IDs and keys. This was not a planned escape. Having that large sum of money there, if she wanted to escape, you wouldn't leave without it. Um, so they intervie- interviewed Javier on several occasions, but he always maintained that same version of events and just the same expression. He was just very cold and direct. They searched up to three kilometers of a sewer that was beneath his house, but they did not find anything. They also investigated many phone calls he made before, during, and after her disappearance, but there was nothing related to the case. He did leave the country following the investigations. The parents received an anonymous letter that stated that her body was inside a dump in Barcelona. They went to police on this. They searched, and to this day, the case remains unsolved and cold. This is such a sad case, and then to get that letter as well, um, and then just to this day, it remains unsolved. She was so young, it really didn't seem like she escaped um, voluntarily, especially, you know, having that large sum of money, and then um, just, again, the age gap, her boyfriend, you know, going to break up with him on that night. If he didn't do it, that is a really big coincidence, but it's just so sad to have no closure at all. Number 11, the Belize Ripper. This is an unidentified serial killer responsible for the abduction, rape, and murder of five girls in Belize City between 1998 and 2000. There's been a long and extensive investigation into this with help by Scotland Yard and the FBI, but it all remains unsolved. So in the months following the last murder, several incidents were reported of a man driving a red car and wearing a mask who unsuccessfully attempted to attack and kidnap young girls in Belize City. At present, no new leads have been reported and the Belize Ripper murders are considered the country's greatest cold case. There's not a ton of information on this case, but it is just one that really shocked the nation. Um, And it is just super scary, super sinister. And just the fact that there is an unknown serial killer on the loose is just really scary. 
Number 12 is the Seiteya family murders that took place on December 20th, 2000 in Tokyo. So the husband, wife, and their daughter and son were all murdered during a home invasion. Following the murder, the person stayed in the home, but despite a massive investigation and even having the killer's DNA, the killer has never been identified. That is such a tragic and sad cold case. And again, another one that there is DNA, but no link to it. 13 and last on the list for cold cases before we move into current crimes, the Angel of the Meadow. This is the name given by the media to an unidentified murder victim whose remains were discovered in 2010 in Angel Meadow, Manchester in the UK. Despite an extensive investigation, neither the woman's identity or that of the killer has been established. At the time of the discovery, the site was being prepared for redevelopment and workmen noticed the skull, which led to the discovery of a human skeleton concealed underneath sections of blue carpet. The death was initially treated as non-suspicious, which seems odd, but whatever. That changed, though, when the post-mortem revealed that the woman had suffered a violent death. Those details have not been released to the public. The investigation started with a search of missing persons' records and an appeal to the public in hope that someone would recognize the items that were recovered with the body. In May 2011, police revealed a facial reconstruction of the woman. The next year, they announced that they had compiled a list of 18 potential identities for the victim. That went up to 21 after input from the public. In March 2015, the remains of the victim were buried in an unmarked grave in a ceremony attended only by the two police detectives that were working on the case. That same month, uh, police confirmed that they had a DNA profile of the victim and they were undertaking a DNA search as part of the investigation. However, at this time, the case is unsolved and considered a cold case. This one is just incredibly sad. The victim is unidentified. It's unsolved. We don't know who the killer is. It is just so, so sad. So that wraps up the list on cold cases. And now moving into current crimes, this one has actually just been released, but it's also a cold case as well. So the police have just released a $1 million award for helping solve the cold case of a mother who was murdered 45 years ago. Marianne Fagan was a homemaker and she had five children. She was stabbed to death in 1978 at her home in Victoria, Australia. Detectives said in a statement that they believe that it is possible that there are still people in the community that know what happened to her and that they are offering the $1 million award for help in solving this cold case. The second case is I'm sure something everyone is aware of and that is the shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. So, so tragic. Um, so two teens have been charged in connection with the shooting at the end of that parade. The unidentified suspects are being detained on gun-related and resisting arresting, arrest charges and the statement added that additional charges are expected in the future as the investigation continues on. Authorities have not released the ages of these individuals. Several guns were recovered from the scene and police were trying to determine whether anyone else was involved in the shooting. People who witnessed the incident or captured the shooting on video are urged to contact the police. 
A 43-year-old mother of two and a local radio DJ was killed in the shooting, and according to police, 22 others were wounded. They ranged in age between 8 and 47 years old. This is just so, so tragic, especially on something that's supposed to be so celebratory and happy. Taylor Swift, who is, of course, dating uh, Travis Kelsey, donated $100,000 to a GoFundMe page that was set up to raise money for uh, Lisa Lopez Galvin, who was the 43-year-old mother of two and a local radio DJ who was killed. Um, as of Friday afternoon, the page had raised over $280,000. That is just so, so tragic. Of course, so great that that GoFundMe is open though, but it is just really sad all around. And then our next one is an update here. So a New York City man who had attempted to smuggle Burmese pythons in his pants has been sentenced for attempting to transport three of the reptiles over the U.S. border. He's a 38-year-old and he's been sentenced to one year of probation and fined $5,000 on a federal smuggling charge. He faced a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison and a fine of up to $250,000 and a term of supervised release of up to three years, officials said after he was indicted in 2022. He previously admitted to smuggling the snakes in July 2018 as he rode a bus that crossed the U.S.-Canada border. Um, Customs and Border Protection officers found the snakes in a small bag attached to his pants near his inner thigh as they reviewed his passport and conducted a search. I really just need to know why you would be smuggling snakes and why it would be so important to put them in your pants. Snakes in the pants is just a big no for me. That wraps up today's episode. Thank you for listening and I will see you next Sunday for more Sunday Scaries by Expresso Crime. Next Sunday is going to be my birthday episode and we are going to do Crime Connections for 1995. Thanks again for listening. See you Sunday.